2 Corinthians, this last message in our uh, emphasis on missions and giving. And so I wanted to take this last opportunity. And if uh, you haven't yet uh, committed, made your commitment uh, for missions giving, I want to uh, encourage you to, uh, to take that uh, opportunity tonight if you haven't already done so. We thank the Lord for all those that are involved and will be involved in the year ahead. But I want to just give you a kind of a booster shot here as to uh, why we do this and what it means. And so Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 8, I want to ask you to stand together as we uh, read the text today. Second Corinthians chapter 8, and I want to read just verse uh, 1 through um, verse um, 11. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through verse 11. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we, should that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this we did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, the grace of giving that they're talking about here, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd bless the reading of thy word, and we thank you for this opportunity uh, to consider the biblical uh, proposition that we have before us for the uh, work of spreading the gospel around the world. <clears throat> Father, we ask your blessing on the reading of thy word now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You and how are we going to reach the world that we're not willing to go out and touch? And so we certainly have that responsibility, don't we? I hope that uh, some of you can be with us on Saturday. We go out Saturday and we're back to normal now, I think, on our Saturdays. Had a few uh, things that we've done that have uh, uh, kept us from going out uh, on our regular Saturday morning soul winning and outreach. And uh, that's 10 o'clock on Saturday. And normally every Saturday we have that opportunity. It's an organized time, but certainly that is, isn't the only time we ought to be concerned for souls, is it? We ought to be thinking about uh, our touch to others um, all the time. And so I want to challenge you tonight with uh, just our ongoing responsibility and why we do what we do about giving to missions and so forth. This is a, uh, a, a different sort of message maybe than the, the routine Sunday night uh, message, but it, uh, it is one that uh, really 
really ties the um, ends up on our commitment that is finished tonight. We're, we're looking to, uh, from March of this year to March of next year, this uh, commitment that we're making. And I'm going to give you this evening the biblical case for missions giving, why we do this and why uh, every uh, Bible-believing church ought to be involved in something like this. So that's the the idea this evening, and it's an encouragement for you to be faithful in, in going on with what you have committed yourself to do in missions giving this year. So that's the, uh, you know, the gist of it here. Um, as far as missions goes, I wanted to give you an update on some of our Chinese churches, too. I just got word this week from uh, Brother John Honeycutt, who uh, oversees some of the uh, works that uh, are carried on by Chinese um, pastors there. And he helps supply and helps coordinate, helps train uh, Chinese pastors. And he sent some information this week of concern with the coronavirus that's spread, <coughs> spreading there in certain areas of China. He did say that uh, some of our churches that we're involved in supporting through his work are directly affected by that and are uh, being unable to meet together. And then others that have plan, had planned to start works in in, uh, area, in new areas have been stopped from that because they're unable to travel now uh, to the places they were planning on planting churches. So several church plants that were going to begin next month in China have been put on hold because of what is going on there. It's affected, he said it's affected them not only physically as far as the threat of the coronavirus itself, but economically it's, a, it's going to have some devastating effects in China as well. So uh, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters there who are under a great deal of pressure now with that. But uh, also he uh, informed me that uh, he informed us that are supporting him that uh, the government is becoming more and more um, oppressive with the Bible believing churches and the ones that are not, um, you know, necessarily coming under the uh, the submission to the state and preaching the state message. So. So that's a, a tough one. He, he uh, sent a photograph of one of our churches there that, where the government came in and forced them to place on this side behind them in the, uh, behind the pulpit there a huge um, communist flag, the, 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 uh, the communist Chinese flag on that side. And then the cross was in the middle, but on both sides of the cross they put large poster size uh, images of, first of all, on the one side, the president of China, and then on the other side, Mao Zedong. So um, those had to be left there. They put in cameras to uh, monitor the church and what's said. And uh, now they're, they're um, going to be putting in face recognition uh, equipment so that they can identify uh, persons and so forth. And so the, the threats are you know, becoming more and more imminent in place parts of China. And yet uh, our brothers and sisters there continue to be faithful to preach the gospel and get the word out. So you pray for them. They're certainly under a good deal of persecution under the, uh, this is the, you know, this is the fruit of communism. Um, socialism is one step closer to communism. And so uh, this is the fruit of that when allowed to develop to its natural end. It comes to the place where the greatest, um, the greatest, uh, threat is the threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, pray for our, uh, our brethren in China and for the works that are going on there. They are trusting God that through the persecutions and through the trials and through the difficulties that God is preparing to do something wonderful and great in China. 
I suspect that's the case. When, the, uh, when it's darkest, it's often where God begins His greatest work. And so we're excited for that and praying that God will, uh, that God will send a, a miraculous a revival there across China and then across the world before He comes again. It'd be a great thing to see a great uh, influx of souls before the Lord Jesus returns uh, to take us home to be with Him. But you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 9 there. And um, talking about our, our commitment that we've been making to give to missions, there's really no wrong way to give to missions. Uh, but God has used the, the and blessed the concept that we have been practicing for some years here. The, uh, we sometimes call it faith promise missions giving. It's, um, you know, it's uh, something that has borne great fruit. Just about all the American Filipino Baptist believers you'll meet are going to trace their spiritual lineage back to a time in the Philippines where a Baptist missionary came and gave the gospel to someone in their lineage, their grandparents, their parents. Uh, uh, someone that um, came from the States. It was a great, um, there was a great um, movement of missions, missionaries, independent Baptist missionaries particularly, into the Philippines after the Second World War because the Filipino people were so appreciative of uh, America's contribution to uh, their um, eventual freedom from the tyranny of uh, the Japanese and, and the, the um, Axis forces that they, they were very open to the gospel at that time. And so uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful to read the accounts of uh, missionaries who went in those early years, in the late 40s, early 50s, into the mid-50s, 60s, uh, Baptist missionaries going, and we have enjoyed here in Calvary Baptist Church and uh, in uh, in just just any of our like churches, uh, we've all enjoyed the presence and the blessing of uh, people of a Filipino heritage uh, in our churches. We are reaping back <clears throat> what some missionaries went and took to the Philippines years ago, and then. Filipino uh, Americans came and, and they got involved in churches like ours and are repeating that process and helping us to get the gospel to others around the world. And it's a great uh, cycle of blessing that uh, we are able to now witness all these years later. It was 70 years since missionaries began to really um, uh, really get, uh, make some progress in the Philippines and, and numbers of them were going. And so uh, now we have... In the Philippines, hundreds of thousands of uh, Bible-believing Christians there and thousands of uh, churches like ours that believe the Bible and uh, trust the Lord and, and understand the cause of missions. It's a great thing to see. And so uh, we're blessed to have uh, the fruit of that here. Many of our people uh, that we have uh, here is Dennis and Janet back here of Filipino heritage and got the gospel through their family heritage, through missions uh, um, at some point or another. And uh, Brother Tom there and his mom and dad, Sarmientos, they heard the gospel. Here's uh, Brother Hoya over here. Uh, his family all uh, got the gospel through an American missionary going there to Philippines. And now everyone that he's won to Christ over the years and their family has reached and the blessing that he is to us goes all the way back to some missionaries a long time ago. We'll never get to meet until we get to heaven. Uh, but uh, what a blessing that is. And following the Korean War, the same thing happened in Korea. Right after that, uh, an influx of uh, independent Baptist missionaries went to Korea. 
Jack Baskin and Anzi Wicker and F.C. Lassiter and numerous other men in the 50s and 60s went into Korea and preached the gospel there. Another receptive audience was found there. And now there are hundreds of thousands of uh, Korean uh, Christians that uh, know the Bible and love the Word and love missions, love missionaries. And, and uh, so, and now in Philippines and in Korea, both these countries are sending out missionaries to other countries in the world who have uh, been saved, trained, uh, reached and baptized and saved and trained in churches like that and Bible colleges over there and sent to preach the gospel around the world. There's places that people of Philippine heritage can get to that uh, people from America can't. We can't go. We're barred from coming into some countries where the Filipino uh, Christians can go. Same thing with there's places where Korean Christians can get that we can't get to. We're not uh, allowed to go into. And so what a blessing it is to see the cycle that goes on with, uh, with missions giving. It all, it all goes back to the, those missionaries that went, but... It goes back further than that. It goes to the churches that, uh, that preached and, and uh, the churches that gave and the people in the congregations who sacrificed so that churches could support missionaries and they could go. And it is, um, it is that that we uh, are, are focusing on tonight. Virtually all those Baptist missionaries were supported by churches like ours who made yearly commitments like we're doing to give and see the gospel go further. We don't want to forget our purpose, you know. We don't want to forget our purpose. And that is the Great Commission. In the four gospels and in the book of Acts, we see it repeated over and over and over again that the Lord would drive home to us our commission, our purpose. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Then he said, Teach them to observe all the other things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's what he said. And he repeated it over and over again. He said in the, the book of Act and the book of Luke that uh, repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all nations. And then he said in the book of Acts, ye shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So over and over and over again, he, uh, the Lord emphasized to you and me how important it is for us to get the picture that we are responsible for our generation to reach them with the gospel and we must go and we must send as well. So we uh, have that opportunity to do that as we make our commitment to missions. Uh, and if you are called to go, and don't fight it any longer. Surrender and, and make your preparations and go and we'll get behind you and send you. If you don't know that you're called to go or not, submit yourself and surrender yourself and say, Lord, here am I. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm surrendering my will to yours. Let the Lord be the one that uh, gives that guidance. So we think about the principles that are behind our means of giving to missions. And I want to just take a few moments tonight to touch on a few of those principles. It's a biblical plan. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, these are both chapters that are addressed to one subject, and that subject is, has to do with an offering. 
It's an offering, particularly in this case, that's given to the needs of some saints in a church far away from Macedonia, far away from Corinth. But it's a need that is outside of the church. And so, in principle, we have the same thing going here. We're giving to a need that is outside of our church. You're, everything you give to missions that doesn't directly benefit us as far as paying the mortgage or keeping the lights on or paying the phone bill or... Uh, or taking care of the church's functions and workings. That doesn't help uh, us in that area because everything we give to missions goes someplace else. It goes someplace else. But I want to tell you, the investment you and I make in missions is still coming back to us, not only in the eternal sense as our bank account in heaven grows, but in the temporal sense as well. As we look around us and we say, we've got brothers and sisters here that we love in Christ that are serving together with us here that are here because someone sent some uh, missionary years ago to the countries that uh, they were once in that heard the gospel. And so what a blessing it is to see it repeated, the blessing and the, uh, the benefit repeated to us in both worlds, in, the, in this world and in the world to come. But chapter 8 and 9 are all about that, that uh, missionary, that giving, that giving outside of the, of the needs of the church itself. Uh, now, we, do, we don't individually just say, okay, Deanne, you take on this missionary, and Mary, you take on that one, and Brother Henry, you take on this one, and you do what you can with them, and, and we'll, you know, we'll, all, we'll all divide up our missionaries, and we'll all do it ourselves. That's not the way God ordained it. You know? we, we are a church body together, and serving together, cooperating together, and it is the biblical plan for things to reproduce after their own kind, you know. Things are to reproduce after their own kind. And churches reproduce after their own kind. A church like this needs to reproduce other churches like this. And we do that as a cooperative effort. That's what you see here. Paul is not individually going to these individuals and, and challenging them individually to do individual things. <clears throat> to be freelancers, to be, you know, mavericks, uh, that kind of thing. He's going to the church and, and uh, encouraging the church to respond as a body of believers. So it's a simple plan, but it's a very effective plan. And we see some principles that we can look at for a moment in the text here. Verse 1 is one of them. Um, here's the principle that missions giving is where the, the uh, fountain, the, the tap of God's grace is really opened up the area of missions giving, the outflowing of God's grace to the churches happens at the point of getting a church getting involved in missions giving. Someone was telling me this morning, a visitor that has been coming for a while said, man, it's just such a blessing. See how the people of God here and, and the music and uh, we just love it here. And, and God has been so good to you here. And I said, well, it's not anything of us. It's because of the grace of God that's been poured, upon, uh, poured out on us. And that's what he's talking about here in, in verse uh, 1 there. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He said, I want to witness. I want to be the witness of God's grace that I've seen bestowed on these churches in Macedonia because of the very, for the very reason of their sacrificial giving outside to something outside of themselves. That's a biblical principle of missions giving. You're opening up a tap for God to bless in a remarkable way in the area of His grace. Uh, a second principle is seen there. It isn't, um, this missions giving 
that we're, com uh, that we're committing ourselves to isn't just intended for times like we're in now. We're in prosperous times right now. We're in plenteous times right now. Uh, we, you know, we can pretty much, if we want to earn more money, we can, we can go down and get another job. We can earn more money. Um, there's help wanted signs out all over the place. And, um, you know, we, we can uh, probably get a, get a uh, opportunity to earn more and get more and do more and so forth like that. We have that. We're in a time like that where, you know, it's not, it's not hard scrabble and, you know, hand to mouth and just barely surviving, scraping by. We're, we're pretty well off, aren't we, as Americans? We're pretty well off. And uh, we're, in a, we're in prosperous and plenteous times at the moment. And so you think, well, you know, yeah, we can see giving to missions and commitment to missions as long as I'm prospering and as long as I have more than I want and more than I need, I'll, I'll commit. But that's not the principle. The principle here is that it's intended to have nothing to do with the prosperity or lack thereof of the times. In the verse 2, the principle is seen. Now, the great trial of affliction and the abundance of their uh, of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. That, you know, that um, that verse has a lot of incongruous terms in it, doesn't it? Their, their troubles were plenty, plenteous. Their troubles were plentiful. Their poverty was deep. Their pockets weren't deep. Their poverty was deep. You know, their poverty was deep. And yet their joy was abundant and their liberality was rich. It just doesn't seem to, those words don't seem to go together in the same verse, but they're there in the same verse. <laughs> the, the, the riches of their joy, the abundance of the joy, the richness of their liberal giving is, is all there in the midst of deep poverty and great affliction. So they, they weren't in times like we are. We are in times of prosperity and blessing and bounty right now. And every one of you has, and myself included, have way more than we need, way more than we have to have to survive. We all have way more than we need or have to have to survive. These folks, weren't, they weren't anywhere like we are when they made their commitment. And it was a commitment that they had made and that they kept uh, in spite of the deep poverty and the great afflictions that they were enduring. It is something that brought them unspeakable joy and a, a desire to, to do even more, even beyond themselves. So it's a wonderful principle that when we think about, when we think about missions giving, that this involves, has nothing to do with the financial circumstances that we as a nation or as individuals find ourselves in. Great principle. Third principle is that their giving was extraordinary. It wasn't ordinary like yours and mine sometimes is. Ours may be considered rather ordinary, you know, if we are just giving them a tithe and, and uh, you know, helping out a little bit here and there with a special offering and maybe giving a little to missions. That's pretty ordinary. I thank God for every, everyone that gives and any giving that they do. We're thankful to the Lord for, for that, but um, it's probably pretty ordinary. But theirs was not. Theirs was extraordinary. And verse 3 says, to their power. Okay, that's, that's you know, giving everything they thought they could possibly do to their power. And I bear record, he said, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They went beyond what could uh, be, you know, added up on paper and calculated out. They went way beyond that. It was extraordinary giving. It was above and beyond giving. And it related to their own personal commitment first. It would appear, you know, that 
the commitment that they were making was so significant. Paul's looking at them and he's come to the conclusion that they're really in deep affliction. There a lot of them that had, you know, could be des described as well below the poverty line. <laughs> and he's looking at these people and he's, he adds up the commitment that they're going to give to send to the needs of those in Jerusalem, those poor saints in Jerusalem. He adds up this commitment and he apparently says, are you guys sure about this? And he's looking at them and he says, you know, you guys are hardly keeping a roof over your head. And are you sure maybe we should modify this a little bit? Maybe my preaching was too, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe, I, you know, maybe I just got carried away. And it seems that something like that must be going on because look at verse 4. He's talking about the church there uh, in uh, the churches in Macedonia and the church in, in Corinth in particular. He said, he said, um, here they were in these churches in Macedonia. They were begging us. They were begging us. That's the word praying. They were asking us with much entreaty. That means they had to kind of almost beg them. Please you know, take this. Uh, they were they were praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. You know, and Paul was almost looks like he's going, wait a minute, we better, you know, reassess. Are you guys sure you want to make this kind of a commitment? Aren't, aren't we, you know, maybe, you know, we're exaggerating this a little bit, but that, that was not the attitude of the givers. They were saying, Paul, you, you, we want you to have this. We want to be able to give this gift. They, they were remembering something Paul had taught them. That when we give, it seems like the Lord just takes care of those needs, the, the problems with the poverty, the problems with, uh, that uh, are associated with the afflictions. <clears throat> when we give, when we get involved in giving to others and thinking of others. So uh, he said, they said, they, they prayed us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and that we'd take upon ourselves the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Said that we want to be involved in that. We want to be fellow helpers to the truth. We want to be involved in giving and we want you to be the one that takes our gift to the need of those saints that we may never meet. And so their giving was certainly extraordinary. Then their giving came in the right order. It came in the right order. Verse 5 says they first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us. They first gave their own selves. So they waited on the commitment of their missions giving, of their missionary, of their giving to the churches outside of them they'd never see. And they said, first, we want to give our own selves to the Lord. That was the right order. That's the, uh, the challenge for us as we move forward in this year, as we, if we're going to be faithful to what we're committing ourselves to, we're going to have to be sure that we uh, keep ourselves where we need to be. We first give our own selves. I read the account of Robert Arthington, who lived... Uh, some years ago in England, and um, he determined to live a very simple life, uh, not to spend much on himself, and, and to give as much as he could to missions. And so he did. He was a businessman, and he made good money. And you've read of these misers that you've heard of that, uh, that live like paupers and save every penny and save every penny and die with, you know, multi-millions of dollars uh, that, <clears throat> that go to strange causes. But uh, uh, or to uh, or to fighting relatives, you know, um, it doesn't take the, too much to get relatives to to fight, uh, you know, uh, after the heirs uh, pass on and they pass on their inheritance and the uh, and the kids fight over it, you know. I 
I tell you, you read stories and accounts like that. But uh, Robert Arthington determined that uh, he wanted to do as much as he could for missions. God did not allow him, did not call him to go. So he said, well, I'm going to do what I can to keep sending, keep sending and keep sending missionaries. And so he did that. And over the course of his life and at the end of his life with his inheritance, he gave well over $5 million to missions, the cause of missions, well over $5 million. And um, he became known really after his death because of what he uh, had arranged for missionaries and missions works, mission boards, mission works to have of his inheritance. So he, it wasn't, he wasn't really known during the course of his life, but he was, became known after, after his death. And so they were going through his uh, personal effects uh, after he died, and they found a faded letter from a missionary that uh, he had kept. It was, uh, had a couple of sentences underlined in the letter, and the missionary friend had written to him years before these words. He had said, were I in England again, I would gladly live in one room, make the floor my bed, a box my chair, another my table, rather than that the heathen should perish for the lack of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Those words he had uh, underlined in that letter and decided himself, without anyone knowing about it during the course of his life, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live a simple life and give as much as I can to the cause of missions. God blessed him. I know that uh, there are folks here that could, could, you know, spend more money on themselves that are giving to the Lord's work and to missions. I know there's people here that could... You know, um, drive a newer, nicer car, live in a nicer home that probably are just saying, I want to just, you know, uh, continue to be able to give and to uh, be a blessing to, to others, to the cause of missions. And I thank the Lord for that. I look forward to what God has in store for them as, uh, the, as the records are opened in heaven and the um, rewards are handed out. Their giving came in the right order. Then their giving showed that their love was genuine as we read it in verse 8. You know, he said, I, I speak not by command, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. <clears throat> we prove the sincerity of our love for missions and our love for getting the gospel out by our giving. Uh, you know, if, I, if I'm saying it but not participating in it, my love for uh, the Lord and love for missions and love for others isn't real sincere, you know. If I say I love the lost and I, you know, care about souls and I love people and I pray for people to go to heaven, but I don't give toward that, my love isn't sincere, you know. It's, uh, uh, it is contrived. My love is contrived. And so um, he said, when you give, you're demonstrating the sincerity of your faith, the sincerity of your love. He says there in, uh, in verse uh, 24 of the same chapter, he says, Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. The proof of your love. The, the proof of the sincerity of your love and the proof of your love itself. So he, he um, gave us that opportunity to do the same. You can show the genuineness of your commitment in your giving. Then it involved a period of one year that we see here. That's why we do this the way we do. Because it seems to be the, um, pa uh, the pattern that is given to us here. We saw, we, set, we saw that in verse 10 and 11 there. He says here, and I give my advice <clears throat> for this expedient for you. Who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. So something happened a year back that 
they made some sort of a commitment about this. And he said, you've begun it. And now the time has come. The year has passed. And uh, I trust that you are going to make good on the completion of that commitment. It, it did involve a period of a year. Chapter 9 and verse 2 reiterates that. He says, I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia and Achaia, um, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. So that period of a year's time is implied there in a couple of different places in the passage, and all relating to this idea of this offering, this giving, this commitment to helping others outside their own church. They, they um, did it for a period of a year. And they knew, they knew that it would involve a return. Verse 6 of the next chapter 9 says it this way, I, This I say, He which soweth sparingly shall, all, shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. They got it. They understood that their giving was not something that they would never see again. Their giving was an, an investment that would have a great, great, great return. And so, now that wasn't the motivation for their giving. That wasn't why they gave. Uh, they gave because they first gave their own selves, and then they just wanted everything to be the Lord's. So that was why they gave. But it did uh, bring, a, bring about a sure return. It was a, a purposeful and a prayerful commitment, though. It wasn't something they just, you know, flipped a coin and said, okay, I'm going to give X amount. It was purposeful. It was prayerful. And this, this is why we've been asking you to pray and asking to purpose uh, concerning your commitment and why you should continue your commitment based on prayer and purpose, because that's the way it was with them. Chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Every man, <clears throat> according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Uh, we, we don't have a place to put your name because we don't want you to feel like, oh, I've got to do this and the preacher's going to look up and see how much I gave and be mad at me for the rest of the year. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and uh, there's no place to put your name uh, there at all. It's uh, not of necessity. It's not necessary. You don't have to give anything and God will still love you. God will still take you to heaven. God will still uh, do things in your life and answer your prayers. But... He just wants you to get on the, on the level of uh, blessing that these folks were at where they had an abundance of joy. And they were just, you know, they were just having a good, good old time. Even in the midst of their afflictions, they were enjoying life. Now, God wants us to get, <clears throat> get to that place. So it was a purposeful and a prayerful kind of a commitment. And we're doing that as we, uh, as we start next, next uh, Sunday into the month of March. That'll be our first Sunday, we're, we're starting our new commitments and, and seeing. We uh, will let you know what, uh, what the uh, total commitment is as a church, and we'll be excited about that, be able to rejoice in that over the weeks ahead. I want to encourage you as you're uh, praying during, the, during your uh, daily time with the Lord that you begin to pray for our missionaries that we have already uh, situated out there, and we'll add some more to that. I want you to make that as part of your, that will help you to keep your focus on your commitment where it should be as well. But if you haven't yet uh, uh, made that commitment, tonight's the, the opportunity to do that yet and to, um, uh, to seal that one. Just <clears throat> if you haven't filled the card out yet, go ahead and do that and, uh, and um, put it in the office or drop it in the slot there if you want to. Or uh, uh, put it in the, in the offering tray, whatever you need to do, and we'll add that and put it all together and we'll see what God has to do. Well, you know, it'd be, I would be amiss to, um, 
go through all how important it is to get the gospel around the world and, and then say nothing of the gospel right here. But um, the truth of the matter is that we're, we always need to be soul conscious and need to be aware of the importance of get, getting the gospel out wherever and whenever we can. And so um, uh, tonight, if you have not uh, got that, uh, that confident assurance that you are in the family of Christ, that you are a child of God, you haven't got that assurance, we want to show you out of the Bible how you can uh, get that thing nailed down and know it for sure. I was a Baptist a long time before I was saved, <laughs> you know. I was a religious guy <clears throat> a while before I knew Christ as my Savior. I was baptized before I was saved, you know. So I know what that's all about. I know what it's about to have, you know, experiences and such like that. Uh, but uh, it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I finally recognized, hey, I've got religion, but I haven't got a relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, uh, when I came to Christ, boy, it, uh, it turned turned the world around. Uh, I got it. I understood it. You know, I finally recognized that uh, because of the, uh, the help of the Holy Spirit convicting me of my uh, self-righteousness and my sin and then uh, call, calling me to turn from that to Him. And the moment I surrendered and said yes to Jesus, everything else was taken care of, you know. Jesus paid it all and Jesus did it all. And so wasn't anything left for me to do but receive the gift that he had uh, paid for on Calvary's cross. And so if, um, you know, you don't have that confidence tonight, uh, if you've been trusting in anything else but the finished work of Jesus Christ, let me show you out of the Bible. Someone will take a Bible and we'll at the invitation time, if you, if you want to come and, and uh, get that taken care of, uh, if it's a man comes, we'll have a man show you out of the Bible how to, how to call on Christ. If a lady comes, well, the lady do that. Uh, but you may be here. You're a child of God already. Maybe you are, uh, you are um, have been uh, wrestling with some surrender issues, and perhaps the Lord has uh, made it clear to you tonight that uh, that is a need you have. Maybe something that's not even related to what we preach about tonight, but the Spirit of God has been at work uh, in your heart. Let me urge you to respond to Him whatever way He calls you to. And uh, let's do business with the Lord tonight. Let's stand together and give an invitation and give you this opportunity to respond, whether it be a Christian responding as the Holy Spirit's leading you to make some sort of commitment. Maybe tonight your uh, decision to commit uh, to missions giving is um, sealed and you're ready to, to, um, to do that and, and going to take care of that tonight. Or maybe this evening it's the Spirit of God drawing you to Himself to come unto Jesus. And so whatever the need is, you... Uh, have that opportunity tonight as we sing. We're going to sing uh, 489, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. And Christian, that's for us to sing, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. If you're here and you haven't uh, got that assurance, come and let's, let's uh, let the Lord have His way in your heart. Father, we ask your blessing on the invitation time. We pray that as we sing about where you lead, we want to follow, that we would not just think of them as some words on a page, but that we would have that attitude of heart. And Lord, I pray that there be anyone here that uh, doesn't know you as their uh, Savior, I pray that tonight they would uh, respond and come to Christ. I pray for Christians that 
your Holy Spirit is at work in their hearts on with matters that are between you and them. I just ask that you'd help help them to respond as your Holy Spirit leads and ask it in Jesus name. Amen.